0: Hey, welcome to Resident Advisors Exchange. I'm Chloe Lula, the producer of this show. This week's episode comes to you live from Deckmantle 2023, where RA hosted a day of programming two weeks ago. We put on a few workshops, talks, and panels, one of which was a live rendition of Playing Favorites, a series that delves into the musical makings of some of our favorite electronic artists and the songs that formed their approach to their craft. At Deck Mantle, Ari's editor in chief, Whitney Way, asked Italian artist Donato Dazzi about the songs that informed his signature tripped out, acid infused sound as a solo artist and as one half of the live duo Voices from the Lake with Neil. Dazzi takes us into his childhood, starting from the first track that introduced him to electronic music and moving chronologically through his life and the songs that acted as linchpins in his creative development. He discusses how he grew up in a musical household, listening to classical before finding Italo Disco and the stylings of Georgia Moroder, Laurie D and the Future Sound of London. These albums, he says, influenced how he composes music and builds a set, leaning into storytelling and narrative as he moves from one track to another.
1: There is a very complex rhythmical uh, game in here because they jump from a certain BPM, they double it, they go back to original tempo and they just go stretch it back and forth, all the mix. And uh, it's like a ride that I never forgot about it. I I think I took very much inspiration from this. And uh, I've been playing a bit this way, playing like a, a certain type of BPM and uh, trying to build something more aggressive on top and then uh, stepping back and then uh, creating things through the turntables with the turntables.
0: There are few artists as widely respected as Dazi, who is released on Trezor, Mental Groove Records, Time to Express, Prologue, and countless other imprints, in addition to forging a distinctive and deeply meditative sound. He's a poetic and deeply thoughtful person as well, and this talk provides a rare and entertaining look into his mind. Winnie does a great job of introducing Dazi, so I'll let her take it from here. Thanks so much for tuning in. Without further ado, here is Donato Dazzi.
2: Hello everyone. Welcome to Resident Advisors Playing Favorites. I'm really happy to have you here in this auditorium with me today with Donato Dazzi. Um, A little introduction about myself. I am the editor in chief of Resident Advisor and I am your moderator and your humble host for the occasion this evening. Um, And a little bit about playing favorites as well. It was formerly a feature format and now it's turned into a live format where we really get to understand um, the tracks and records that make the DJs and musicians that we love. And my intention is that the audience will leave this auditorium with a deeper understanding of the man behind the music, in this case, Donato Dazi. And hopefully we'll be saving some time afterwards for any kind of questions that you have. Um, And I also love doing an introduction. I think it's really important as a host to get a context, especially if there's a multiple decades spanning career. Um, And it would be remiss of me as a host not to provide a brief introduction and a historical framework Um, to get everyone really excited about this interview as I am. So on the production side, Rome based DJ and producer Donato Dazzi first began releasing collaborative minimal techno singles in 2004. Um, And then around the 2010s, he began releasing full length albums, receiving high acclaim for Voices from the Lake, his project with Neil, whose eponymous debut album appeared in 2012 which Resident Advisor named the best album of that year. Um, and Dawsey and Neil launched the Spazio Disponibile label in 2016. And Dawsey has continued releasing on additional labels including Trezor, Spectrum Spools, Presto, and most recently his EP Chrono with the artist Sabla in April of this year on Gang of Ducks based in Turin, Italy. And on the DJing side, Dazi learned to DJ in the early 80s and initially spun genres such as dub, reggae, and Italo disco, but became enamored with techno and acid house by the end of the 80s and spent much of the 90s concentrating on education instead of music, earning a doctorate in politics from the University of Rome. And in 2004, moved to Berlin and held a residency at Panorama Bar. And then in 2008, grew in notoriety for the mix for Japan's Labyrinth Festival. Dazi has a brand of ambient techno that is lush and mesmeric to the point of being therapeutic. And his recordings, as well as his DJ sets and performances, typically consist of slowly evolving washes of sound with minimal yet detailed beats to incredibly hypnotic effect. Please give a warm welcome to Donato Dazi.
1: Thank you, thank you for having me here so much.
2: Thank you, thank you for being with us. Um, So the first question is, please, uh, please play a record from your childhood that was formative to your musical education. Thank you for that. Um, Could you describe, tell us the track, tell us the record, tell us why it's so special for you.
1: Yeah, I mean, this is the opening track from the voice, uh, La Voce del Padrone, the voice from the master album that uh, was released in Italy in 1981. So I was a kid, I was uh, 10 years old when this came out, and I think I've been listening to it the year after. So I should have been around 11. And uh, this is simply the record that has been changing the rules of pop music in Italy. Mm -hmm. So this has been absolutely important quintessential release, because uh, till that time there was um, different type of productions. But here you can feel the influence between, for example, Mediterranean music mixed with new wave and uh, a special way of chanting himself, which is close to, for example, to Tibetan monks in some certain way to use the voice, and uh, using lyrics that were absolutely revolutionary for Italy at that time. So um, people has been learning all the lyrics of these songs because this was a huge success. And people were singing the lyrics without knowing what he was talking about. Absolutely.
2: <laughs> could, you, could you describe the lyrics for us and why it was so revolutionary? The point
1: is that he's, uh, um, let's say, jumping from a topic to another within a sentence. And you won't understand what's the way and the trigger that make him jump from a topic to another so quickly and with such, in, in a such a natural way. Okay, And at the same time, he was one of the first... Uh, people that has been talking about uh, what the country was about to become because he was very focused on the Italian politics without uh, taking a, a, an explicit flag of a certain political party. He was able to tell the truth to people to who wanted to understand. And uh, he has been seeing forward um, 40 years before and he knew what the t- Problems of Italy, especially from the um, political point of view, uh, were about and uh, he knew uh, very well that Italy was going to a dark, a darker path, which is what is happening right now, forty years later. We are ruled by fascists, and that's really bad, you know.
2: And so this is the reason why it becomes your kind of eternal track.
1: As a kid, you, mm-hmm. l- you listen to something like this. It's not, an, an, an let's say, a common sound. It's something totally important for a kid at, at 10, 11 years old. Because I was already in love for music, but this has, has changed my perspective. I've been, I, I, I remember I bought a tape of this and I've been listening to it nonstop. And somehow, um, let's say, it's also important from the, uh, let's say, artistic path of Franco Battiato. Um, Because before he released this record, um, he has been doing completely experimental sounds from the early 70s. And uh, he played some of the most important pop festivals at that time. And... um, be careful, pop at that time was meaning progressive music. You know? And uh, so some of the most important uh, concerts were hosted in Milano, at Parco Lambro, some also very important happened in Rome, in Villa Pamphili. And he was playing also very difficult music with his extremely difficult lyrics. It was extremely experimental. So his first albums, if you are not familiar with it, you should go check it, because it's masterpieces of electronic music. I'm talking about Clique, Sulle Corde diaries," Fetus, um, and other albums that he wrote in the early 70s that were absolutely ahead of its time.
2: And then he eventually pivoted to pop music as well, so...
1: He said, you know, I'm tired to get boo from crowd when I play. (laughs) Because it was difficult music. And he said, now I show you. I can make pop music and I do it my own way. Mm -hmm. And that was, uh, you know, something that clearly revealed that he was right. And he knew what he was doing. When he wrote this album, he totally knew that this was going to be a success. And now there is on Sky Arte in Italy, there is a documentary about the making of this album, which is so complex. You know, the arrangement was from Giusto Pio and all the songs were written by him. And uh, somehow uh, they used the original tapes uh, where they recorded this album. And uh, a technician showed all single sounds from uh, the various songs. And uh, you can understand how meticulous the work is on the calibration and creation of each of the sounds.
2: I actually am curious about... Also, your musical education, because I was a little bit surprised. I know that your parents were very interested in classical music, but this is obviously a very pop record. So could you tell me and the audience a little bit more about your musical education and your musical upbringing?
1: It's true that my parents uh, were huge fans of classical music, but it's also true that they were open to uh, other sounds as well. And, uh, for example, in my house, besides Tchaikovsky, Beethoven and the classic of classical music, there was uh, also my sisters around that were showing me the music of the Who. So I was able to listen to Tommy when I was seven or eight years old, which was also shocking to me because it explicitly talk about acid, it talked about drugs, it talk about extreme things in life and, uh, you know, Somehow, that was uh, an important input that I got back in the days. And in my family, good music was really welcome. So there was no much space for crap or uh, things that were not in the likes of uh, things that my mother or my father would have listened at home. So there was already a, a quite good selection.
2: And what about the pathway to electronic music as well? Was there certain things? So this, the next question is, um, what is the record that inspired your passion for electronic music and dance music? And so
1: I mean, the, the, this actually is a step that came before the release mm. of uh, Franco Battiato's music. This is something that happened from memory around 1979. Mm. So I was reading as a kid uh, a comic, you know it was actually Barba Papa. I don't know. if I, any I don't of you know would. that one. <laughs> yeah.
2: Please explain for all of us who don't know.
1: <laughs> yeah it's a um, let's say a French production made by American people and uh, um, of this family of uh, funny uh, colored um, characters. So where the the dad is super big, there is the mom, there is all the kids go around, all that have the same shape somehow. They look like (laughs) balls, like pear, to be precise. (laughs) And um, it was very, very big at that time. And so I was listening to music through my um, Walkman and uh, through the radio. And I remember that this song show up. Another shock.
2: a 13-minute long track, so enjoy it yourselves at a later date. Um, but as we were whispering on the couch, you were saying that when you listened to this track on your Walkman, you heard the future. Could you describe that a little bit more?
1: Precisely. First of all, because um, <clears throat> this is... Um, I mean, I was used to listen to disco music at home. It would happen often. I mean, my sisters were going to dance in clubs in Rome back in the days. And I was hearing stories and I was very fascinated. So <clears throat> I was aware about dance music, disco music. Uh, so Cool and the Gang and all the rest of the things. But this sounded like something different. To me, this was space, deep disco. Something that I I hadn't seen, I, I, haven't, I haven't heard before. At that, at that stage. And it was a huge influence. If I think to the way I've been constructing tracks after many years from the release of this record, um, I can see that all elements that I like to be in a record were already here. So there is a bass line, there is a kick drum, there is a, like powerful i-hats, there is pads, there is a f- um, phaser effect. Uh, There is sounds that pop in from a place to another in the stereo information, And somehow it gave me the power to fly away with my mind. So I was completely distracted from Barba Papa, definitely. (laughs) And my mind was totally focused on these sounds. And somehow part of me said that this is what I wanted to have to deal with in my life somehow. And it happened,
2: how do you feel like you've been able to replicate that effect in your own music?
1: Uh, it was a, a let's say a very slow process because I had to learn about the sound first, which took many, many years and then i ha- I had uh, let's say the knowledge after a while to understand how to get that type of sound, how to place sounds in the in you know, a stereo formation how to build kick drums and the rhythms that were convincing and uh, would work. Uh, let's say also creating this sort of uh, music is really not easy because it's, it, it has a minimal component. There is not many sounds that are together building a track like this, but they have to be the right sound and they have to have the right space in the construction, then it this track can last thir- can uh, last thirteen minutes, and you would not get bored out of it.
2: And the track is "The Chase" by Giorgio Moroder, exactly. released October nineteen seventy eight on yes. Casablanca Records. Yes, and he
1: has original. He is original from Italy, from Italy, actually. I also, knew this. <laughs> and uh, yeah, quite you know, quite a thing. I I. I thought he was American, or, th- I mean, he lives in America. But somehow, um, this this happened like a, like a falling star on my brain when it happened.
2: I like really. that. I like that imagery. Um, but also, the track is a part of a soundtrack.
1: Exactly, which um, I discovered much later.
2: Mm-hmm. And uh, tell me about when, did you already know that, the track was associated with the film, or did you watch the film But all of a sudden it was another star that fell I upon your I had no idea.
1: I watched the first time the movie in the 90s, and uh, it, it, it was such a clear, such a nice fit in the sound because it, 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 it gives to the, let's say, to the main character of the movie, it's like, um, it, it, it really set the rhythm of his escape, Somehow. And uh, it's probably the, first, the best match.
2: Wait, could we give some context to the audience who probably haven't seen this film? So uh, the film, um, what is the plot of the film? What is? It's about film? a
1: guy traveling uh, uh, back to the States from Turkey where he was there for a holiday with his girlfriend. And somehow he decides that it was uh, the right thing to do to bring a lot of hashish and naturally and fix it to his body and then th- that's where the movie starts you see this guy fixing all of the stuff on his stomach and um, taping it and uh, and and getting very anxious because uh, he understood little by little that the guards the police that was there was not there to joke at all mm-hmm. and in fact he get he get caught mm-hmm. and uh, he at the beginning seems like an easy thing to deal with Um, they were confident to bring him out of jail pretty quickly but that wasn't the case because uh yeah i mean it's a true story and uh, this thing happened in a very corrupted system where uh, nothing was uh, to be taken for granted in fact, he stayed there many, many, many years. And the movie de- delivers all this uh, story, all this frustration and uh, sadness and craziness that builds in the mind of the people that was forced to be in the jail. And uh, the way he then got out of it is um, quite exciting, so I won't say more. You, ju- If you don't know the movie, you should just go check it because it's really a classic from the 70s.
2: You'll be able to watch the film and then also listen to the formative track from Donato. Um, so how did this... So you, so you spoke a little bit about how this track eventually... You wanted to... Or you eventually learned how to position sounds, um, and you were very inspired by this song. So when was... What was the next step into electronic music for you? It started here, but was there... Um, was there a continuous flow, was there another step?
1: Yes, I've, uh, the f- next step was to look for tracks that would look a bit and sound a bit like this. Mm-hmm. So uh, I've been finding other things that really caught my attention. First was um, Cerone, Supernature. That was another track that I would define as a space disco. Mm-hmm. Another one is a Roman production, which is uh, Baby, I Love You, from the Easygoing crew. And the uh, Easygoing was the most famous K club in Rome back in the 70s. And uh, Paolo Micioni was the, mm, let's say, the uh, main DJ of this club, was one of the most known in Italy. In Italy. And uh, through the help of Giancarlo Meo and Claudio Simonetti, which is the heart and soul of the Goblin band, uh, they put out such a, an incredible dance tune that was um, sung with the vocoder. And also that was a sound that was not I wasn't familiar with. And I, I really, really thought, OK, the robots are taking over here. And somehow uh, this is another type of sound that makes me extremely curious and I want to investigate with. Many years later, I have become collector of vocoders, and I have many in my studio. Mm. So that has been also very appealing to me. So another track that also was very uh, popular at that time and then hit my fantasy was Magic Fly, for example, uh, which is uh, somehow the sound that came a bit before, uh, let's say, uh, the music of uh, um, what's, what's the, the, uh, the French duo, what's, the, sorry guys, Daft Punk, <laughs> yes, exactly. Somehow before Daft Punk I can see the sound of Magic Fly, mm. the track called Space.
2: And so these are the tracks that were very formative to your experience. So let us talk about the track that inspired yes. your perspective on music and artistry in the midst of your career. Yeah. Um, let's play it.
1: Yeah, sure. And please let the, so, the so audience this know So this is what something is. that now belongs to the 90s for me. Okay, so.
2: let's get into it. Wow, thank you for that. Donato just whispered to me, it opens like a flower. And I think that that was very beautifully poetic. <laughs> so uh, what is the track? Who produced it?
1: Okay, this track is uh, Unfinished. It's the, the EP It's called Unfinished Tracks. And this track in special is called Abru- Abrupt Interruption from Laurie D. Which is uh, quite a god in Rome and in Italy. Let's say he has been the originator of many things in our country and um, he has been always taking a very special position in the let's say in the business has been always on a side doing things that were decades ahead from uh, what you we, we we can hear around and always chose to stay in a let's say hidden position
2: Wow, mysterious. Could you? So, yeah. he, I know that you were initially very interested um, in hip hop, and then you started to follow Lorde because he was also in the hip hop scene as well, but also had one foot in electronic music. Yeah, well.
1: I was very much into hip hop, but mm. especially in the instrumental sides of mm-hmm, hip hop. Mm-hmm. So, into trip hop, all of these slower rhythms, dub, and drum and bass, and uh, all of these kind of things. But then this track arrived like a rocket, bam, like this completely. I heard it in the, uh, this this EP is from 98, Mm -hmm. and I heard it in very early 2000 for the first time. And uh, I (laughs) thought, okay, this is going to last in my life somehow. Mm -hmm. I I felt this was uh, um, something I needed to investigate a bit with. I was getting older, and also um, I needed more loops in my life to get lost with my brain in.
2: I understand that.
1: And this was the, the track, that the, ve- the vehicle, that has been putting me in such a position. It was also, this, let's say, a, a bit after I, I started also discovering the music of Robert Hood, of many other people that has been originating sort of hypnotic, loopy sounds. Mm-hmm. But this was the one that impressed me the most.
2: So did you come upon this track first, or did you meet Laurie D.? Laurie, I was
1: already following him since years, because back in the uh, end of the 80s, he participated to the finals of the DMC in Italy, mm-hmm. and uh, he did really well. He was doing things with the turntables that the others didn't do. Mm-hmm. He was so creative, and he kept this attitude all his life. He is a complete artist, he is good at making music, he is really good at playing it in front of a crowd, and he's really good at treating sound, creating the studio setups and at mastering, which is another art, you know? So he can do all of this together, keeping a low profile always. Mm-hmm. But I think being fair and watching things around, he's one of the people that should where there should be more talk about because he's such a genius.
2: The unsung hero. He's
1: so good. Mm-hmm.
2: And he was one of the first people I read to bring acid house and hardcore sounds. Yeah, of he London has, to he Rome. brought acid
1: and mm-hmm. uh, you know many many type of early techno sounds, um, Belgian new beat, all of these things. He brought it as first, let's say. Mm-hmm. There were already in the end of the eighties some house music parties, but he focused on a more uh, brain storming head fuck, all of these kind of things that took so many followers. Mm-hmm. I mean, when he was playing, I went to the, for the first time at this rave in Borgo Sabotino. It was 1989, and I was with a friend. I was doing my last year of school, mm-hmm. and I went there, and I couldn't believe there were like 4,000 people, and uh, as soon he showed up on stage, there was like a wave of excitement from the people that I, of course, never seen before, mm-hmm. and I would never forget about it.
2: Why did he keep such a low profile?
1: Ah, That's a good question. We should ask him. Let's he ask is, him
2: and call him he, up. <laughs> he, he,
1: he, you know, he made an album called Anti-System. Somehow, uh, he's not a dea- uh, an easy guy to deal with. So he has his own ideas. He has his own way to you know, to live with together with the music, but on the rest maybe he's just not interested in um, dealing with bigger things, mm. probably. probably.
2: Okay, so the next record that I'd like you to play um, is the one that represents a profound music-slash-club experience for you. What is the track? What are we listening to?
1: This track is called Cascade, and it's from the future Sound of London. So we are talking about early 90s. This track is from, this EP is from 93, actually. And this version in particular is uh, not coming from the album. Mm-hmm. is a mix. is a 12-inch that came separately from the album. But is the version that I learned about f- as first. So at that time I was uh, deeply studying at university and my whole day was uh, arranged in the the structure of the university. So I was with my friends and uh, studying all day. So I would probably go eating somewhere at night and come back home late. And uh, the first thing I wanted to do was to listen to this program from MTV called Chill Out Zone where they were playing spaced out music, There was that, that's how I learned about Affix Twin and uh, CJ Bolland and other important uh, musicians. Um, but this track in particular um, catched my attention because it was such a psychedelic approach to sound that also represented something new in my perspective, let's say. And um, so once i was able to listen to the whole album life forms from future sound of london i learned uh, how beautifully constructed this story was so i learned about how to build a story listening to this album which is not just a collection of tracks. all the tracks are let's say totally growing into each other so you don't know where it starts, you don't know where it stops. And uh, the whole album is an absolute experience, so if you're not familiar with it, I deeply recommend to give it a try. And um, the reason why I thought this is a profound experience, in my case, club, and um, or better say, open-air experience, It's because I played this track in a set only once in my life, and that happened spontaneously in 2008, when I played the Labyrinth set back in September of 2008. Mm -hmm. And I took this record with me many times uh, without being able to play it, because I thought that was not the right context. But in that specific case, I realized in that moment that was a set that was changing also my perspective of music, what I did that time. I was surprised by myself, I had a very strong emotional uh, impact. And uh, so I, I, I thought, now or never. <laughs> so when it was nearly the end, I after like a few minutes of silence, I played this tune, which is very long.
2: There's two things I want to pull out of what you just said. One was you learned from this uh, record how you could weave narratives in. Uh, could you describe that a little bit more and how you build in narratives in your own music?
1: That was um, a good example to follow. Mm-hmm. So when I started releasing albums from 2010 on, many times I've been like feeling to. Put the tracks and build the tracks inside of each other, and create the story from a production side and also on a DJing point of view. It's important to tell a story because people want to, you know, want to be taken from a hand sometimes and uh, build an experience altogether. I think in many cases, or at least in a, in a few cases, it has to be like this.
2: And then the second thing that I wanted to pull out was um, how you said that you surprised yourself during that set. What shifted? And could you explain, was there an environmental shift? Was it the people? What was it that came together? Yeah, I mean, that
1: came after the experience of Panorama Bar and many years of Brancaleone residency in Rome. Mm -hmm. When I was in Rome, I could play only until 5 a.m. There was a strict rule about timings. So when I moved to Berlin, I was in shock because I could play at daytime. But still, we are talking mostly about indoor gigs. And I felt that somehow my music belonged to more open spaces. Mm -hmm. And that experience of Labyrinth has been my very first test, unprecedented, where I could play music for the nature, for the people. For the friends, for the family, with a big, big amount of love, you know? Mm. And I could feel that that was my place. That's why now or never.
2: (laughs) Beautifully put. And then one last question on this album is. the This album is very known for its kind of sa- sampling techniques as well. And apparently, after you got into this album, listened to it extensively, you also bought your own sampler oh, yeah. in the 90s. So, what were the things that you first initially started sampling?
1: I started sampling anything, really, even my own voice, mm, anything that could uh, uh, lead me to an experiment. So, I was sampling hip hop records, uh, hip hop you know uh rhythms and uh since i own so many records of different type i made experience experiment with uh, different genres with folk music you know with the typical italian um, music and whatever really it didn't matter so much uh, it, what mattered at that moment was making the experience and understanding what you were capable to do with such a tool.
2: Beautifully put. So in the next record, what is, what is the album that you turn to for creative inspiration, time and time again?
1: OK, that uh, took me a little while to think about it. Mm-hmm. But in the end, the winner is uh, uh, the DJ Kicks from Kruder and Dorfmeister on K7.
2: Let's listen to it.
1: So in this case, I've been choosing a track from Hard Floor which has a, a very difficult name to pronounce. Uh, Da-dum-freak-noise-funk is, is the name of the track.
2: Amazing. So uh, this duo, Austrian duo, are known for their trip hop and down tempo works. And so you are interested in trip hop and abstract hip hop as much. well. Yes, Very I much. can really see that. Um, and I can see how this is a really important touchstone for you. And so why is it a record that you turn to for creative inspiration time because and time Because
1: it's a reminder of um, how you can create a mix which always keeps giving at each listen, blending different and providing a variety of sound, which is outstanding. And with just such a natural feeling and approach, with such a knowledge and technique mixing the tracks, that for me is like when I'm depressed, I'm a bit down, and I don't see good, I don't have good feelings. I need to hear this and remember how it's done, because this mix is uh, not only great because there are tunes which are different in the same uh, path, let's call it, but on the other hand, there is a very complex rhythmical uh, game in here because they jump from a certain BPM, they double it. They go back to, you know, with the um, original tempo and they just go stretch it back and forth, all the mix. And uh, it's like a ride that I never forgot about it. I I think I took very much inspiration from this. For example, especially playing at Terraforma in some festivals where you can really uh, challenge people with, uh, with sounds. And uh, I've been playing a bit this way, uh, playing like a a certain type of BPM and uh, trying to build something more aggressive on top and then uh, stepping back and then uh, you know creating things through the turntables with the turntables. And, um, I mean, trip-hop back in the 90s was a big thing, but I think that Kruder and Dorfmeister have been the ones that were able to transmit this to masses. So there were like big magazines, and uh, at that time we we had no internet, so there was like uh, even economic uh, magazines that were talking about this phenomenon that became big without a promotional tool, but just by talk from the people. And uh, they made like gigs with thousands and thousands of people that wanted to go there and listen to what they were doing. Incredible.
2: So we are at seven minutes, but we have two more records. So I'm going to be a little bit quick about the, (laughs) the questions and the answers. So the next one is the record you believe is underrated, underappreciated, and needs more of a spotlight.
1: listening to Mike Parker. This track is called Reduction, and it's part of the album Dispatches that was released in the early 2000s uh, only on CD. Um, this record and his art in general have been deeply influential to me back in the day. And uh, on the same hand, I can see that this sound I remember playing it at the Panorama bar, for example, and it was the moment where the people had the biggest standout dancing. It was in an age of minimal techno and other type of sounds. This guy (laughs) was doing something minimal, yes, but with a totally different touch. Mm -hmm. And I think that in a subliminal way, in some aspects, also in a more direct way, mike parker has been influencing many producers from on from that moment on Uh, i could see many labels growing and uh, kind of doing a similar type of sound that became so popular droning techno these are some labels that we could uh, find to call it but somehow This work, this uh, quintessential work that he has done, hasn't been properly recognized to me. Let's say, yeah, Mike Parker is for granted. That's what he's done. But uh, if I see the records around, I buy records every week. And when I hear, many times I think, oh, this is sounding a bit like Mike, still, after 20 years. And so I don't think this aspect has been properly recognized, plus, he is not just a great producer, he's a great artist. He's a, his drawings are incredible. Plus he's an art teacher at university. And I am incredibly uh, surprised, surprised really, that never a big uh, article has been done about this. We're working on Sh- showing, it. Showing, <laughs> please, please, showing his drawings which are totally fitting to the music. If you listen to his music and you, he, you watch the crazy things he draws, yeah, that would make just sense, I think. So besides, the let's say, the admiration I have for him, he's also a very good friend. And I thought this was the right context to put this topic out.
2: And this is not the only artist that you put on your list that um, also is an artist, Franco. Um, he was also a painter as well, so a lot of multiple. Absolutely,
1: yes. And also the next one I want oh, to, yeah. to show also has the same, interesting. you know.
2: Okay, let's get into it as well.
1: This track is called Nina Soñando and it's from a Basque artist called Verde Prato. She's very young and one of the most talented artists I came across with in the past years. She made only two albums, which are one more, more beautiful than the other, and she's a true, true phenomenon to me. She, she's able to speak to the soul of the people in her own language, which is Basque. So I couldn't understand a single word of what she's talking about. But I know she's doing it with the heart. And her voice extension is just incredible and pure. Plus, she writes all all her own music. And uh, she does everything by herself. And uh, with the capacity of uh, keeping very, um, let's say, um, keeping her traditions because she chose to sing in her own language, Mm -hmm. but on the other hand, watching the future and uh, doing sounds that can be heard by anyone, really. And uh, I would even define this a bit pop. Mm -hmm. It's very catchy. And uh, I really wish that this is the type of pop that people would appreciate. Mm -hmm. And uh, she's not only an amazing music composer, but same as Mike is, she's a great painter, mm. and uh, her drawings are an, uh, also an, a natural fit to the music she does.
2: Mm. Thank you. And how did you discover it? Do you remember the moment of discovery?
1: Um, I discovered her through a friend called Alicia Carrera, which is also Spanish, and she knew her a friend of her. So she said, Donato, you should listen to the music of Verde Prado. And I was amazed when I heard that. It touched my soul in ways I cannot explain. And uh, I, at the beginning, the, the, the plan was to uh, be able to release her music. Mm-hmm. But then it didn't happen. But doesn't matter, really, because uh, this music has to spread and people need to hear it. So I don't see much often uh, things about her. And I would like to... Yeah, to see more more of it.
2: Well, that is the conclusion of our playing favorites, everyone. Um, thank you so much, Donato, for sharing all this music with thank us.
1: Thank you, Whitney, for uh, hosting me here.
0: Thank you for listening to this RA Exchange with Donato Dazzi live from Deckmantle. In this episode, you heard Summer on a Solitary Beach by Franco Battiato, The Chase by Giorgio Moroder, Abrupt Interruption by Lori D, Cascade by the Future Sound of London, a portion of Kruder and Dorfmeister's 1996 DJ Kicks mix, Dispatches by Mike Parker, Fishtel's Lead by De Woodies, and Niña Sonando by Verde Prato. The track playing in the outro of this episode is Donato Dazi's song, Valentina. Thank you, Whitney Way, for the great questions, Donato Dazi for the wonderful interview, Luca Taraskevics for coordinating the talk, Yoka, Eliza, Brendan, and the team at Deckmantle for having us at the conference, Jerry Dobson for filming, and to all of you who are attending live. This talk was captured on video, and you can watch snippets on our YouTube and social media channels. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe to the RA Exchange and listen to our full archive of conversations on RA.co or on SoundCloud at RA-Exchange. If you have ideas for guests you'd like to hear in the podcast or stories you'd like to share, please send us an email at exchange at ra.co. We'd love to hear from you. Until next time, take care.